0: Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Another good morning and welcome to you. My name is Ryan, one of the pastors on staff. Delighted that you're with us. We're going to be reading this morning and the text upon which the sermon will be based is John chapter 9. You'll find it there printed in your bulletin on pages 14 and 15. But as you're getting there, you can turn in your pew Bible as well. As you're getting there, I just want to remind us of a few things about this Gospel of John that we've been going through the last couple of months. We've tried to show each week that John's purpose, the big why for his writing, is so that you and me, and anyone that would look, would see Jesus, and that in so doing, in seeing Christ, that there would be a benefit, that there would be life in His name, that your life would be changed because of seeing Jesus. And John knows that we don't just magically come to see and believe in Jesus, but rather he's always trying to put before our hearts and our eyes reasons for that belief. And so each week we've got vignettes from John's pen to show us the credibility, the believability, and the real beauty of who Jesus is. And we get that again this morning. I want to invite you to stand this morning, if you don't mind, for the reading of God's Word It's a longer one, so uh, I hope you ate your Wheaties this morning, and um, I want to read it all because we're only going to be able to touch on it in big picture, but there's so, so much here this morning for us. A couple of things for our children this morning to to listen for. What does Jesus use to heal the blind man in this text? And then secondly, what's the first thing that has to happen for us to believe, to come to believe in Jesus. Those are the things we can listen for this morning, no matter how old you are. Let's now give our attention to what the Father has for us from John chapter nine. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go into Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. Well, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes. I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, referring to Jesus. For he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had, been, who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Asked him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. Now his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone would confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue "'Therefore his parents said, he is of age, asked him. "'So for the second time they called the man "'who had been born blind and said to him, "'Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner.' "'And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. "'One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see.' "'And they said to him, what did he do to you? "'How did he open your eyes?' And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt but now that you say we see your guilt remains amen this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God you may be seated let's pray together now Jesus we ask that you would by your spirit be our teacher now we have need of sight as you know and you love to give it as you have told us all that we might live we know too O Lord that we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God so speak opening our eyes that we might be able to see you as our salvation would you prepare our hearts now we pray all this in Christ's name amen I want to start the sermon this morning by a little bit of a provocative question have you ever been drunk intoxicated many of us will not have been and yet others of us know the fleeing of reason of inhibition and the lack of awareness that accompanies such a state why start a sermon this way? Well, putting aside the ethics of uh, how and the Christian liberty of how one might use alcohol for the time, I want to read you a quote from one of the greatest minds Christianity has ever produced on a particular type of drunkenness that every single one of us has known. It speaks to what we think we know about ourselves and about God apart from His grace. And it comes from a Frenchman named John Calvin, where he writes these words, We are drunk with the false opinions of our own insight and are thus extremely reluctant to admit that it, that is our insight, is utterly blind and stupid in divine matters. Let me read that again. We are drunk with the false opinions of our own insight and are thus extremely reluctant to admit that it is utterly blind and stupid in divine matters. Happy Sunday. (laughs) Happy Sunday. I want to ask you, how do you come to see things that you don't see? Or though looking, how can you see what you're missing? Now, I'm reminded of those magic eye 3D pictures. You might remember what I'm talking about. You would look at like a field of patterns, and then one of your friends says, oh, there it is, I see a tiger. And you're like, I don't see anything, and I'm staring right at it. John 2, John 2, friends, knows that seeing is not only difficult, but that it's impossible. Seeing of a particular kind, that is. And more importantly, John shows us here in our text that Jesus loves to give sight to those that are blind. And I don't mean, for the most part, normal seeing of the eyes, of course, though that most certainly happens here and it is a miracle. But I'm talking about a spiritual seeing, a spiritual perception, a spiritual apprehension, and that of the most important things in life, that of the things of God and that of the things of man. And John is showing us that Jesus loves to come and open our eyes to that. Why? Look at verse 9-5, because he is the light of the world. And as the light of the world, the text shows us that two things happen when the light breaks forth and breaks on the scene. So let's start by asking this morning a question. What does Jesus do for this man who can't see? Look with me at verse 1. We see that Jesus and his disciples passed by a man blind from birth. Not that he had sight, lost it, but that he was born blind. And the disciples ask a question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The question, pardon the pun, is illuminating because it reveals a common assumption about suffering's causes held in their day and in our day as well. namely. That if there is suffering in someone's life, it must, must be because someone has sinned. But Jesus, however, challenges that presupposition, doesn't he? He answers them, neither. Neither this man or his parents that he was born blind. You see, in his grace, Jesus gives more light. He tells us that the reason the man has been born blind, verse 3, is that the works of God might be displayed in his life. That somehow God's powerful grace, his mercy, his glory might come about in and through him. This is why he has been born blind. Push pause. I haven't thought about that until this very moment. We're still talking about this man. He's still bringing glory to God. How about that? I've not thought about that until this very minute. I'll continue. Then Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud. We don't know why. So please, you can ask me, I don't know why. He applies this original mud mask and instructs him to go wash in the Siloam pool. The men does so, and then the text tells us he came back seeing. And when he does, his neighbors and those who for years had watched him beg wondered, how were your eyes opened? Now, when we read this, we need to remember that people back then didn't just magically, without intervention, get their sight. It wasn't like Miracles were really easy back then to perform, and if you were gullible enough, you might have had it happen to you. That's not how this is working here. Just like today, this man couldn't see, and then he could, because Jesus had acted through a miracle. And when he did this, this man's life was changed. And I want you to know why this miracle. We talk about the miracles in John's gospel being signs that point forward to a greater reality. And here we see reminiscent of what we learned in Luke's gospel about when Jesus comes on the scene, one of the ways that you will know that he himself is Messiah is that the blind see. And that itself is a fulfillment of a promise from Isaiah chapter 61, where the prophet tells us that when Messiah comes, that one of the ways that we will know that he is here is that the miracles that he will perform will the blind will see. In other words, this means that this event is a mark of God putting his work on display. And I want to spend a few moments this morning just talking about something that is in this text, though it's not the main thrust of the passage, but that is looking at the specific topic of suffering in our lives. In general, it is true that the disciples are right about sin's origin. It comes into the world because of the particular sin uh, back in Genesis chapter 3. But to move from this to conclude every particular suffering is the result of some particular sin is where they get it wrong. Yes, it is true that sometimes our sin brings about suffering in our lives. But to go beyond that, and to reason that each particular suffering is a result of some particular sin in somebody's life, is to go beyond the way beyond the way the Bible speaks about the relationship between sin and suffering. And I'm just going to say this this morning. Some of y'all really need to hear that because I want you to be lifted. I want that burden gone in your life. We might not say it, but I know deep in our hearts, some of us deeply feel that if I hadn't done X, Y, and Z, then God wouldn't have brought ABC in my life. And it just may not be true. I want you to be free this morning from that. The Lord gives us categories of better categories. This man's suffering was so that the mighty works of God might be displayed in his life. And the, such is the same for us as well. And I just can't tell you, and maybe you can too, about how many faithful Christians through the years I have watched through the years just suffer and it brings glory to God's name. I could, I could list a string of them. But I just want you to know that it is, they have suffered and they have done so because of what James has said To count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of all kinds, of various kinds. Through their suffering, the works of God were put on display. And this is exactly what God intends to do when we face suffering as well. Which brings me back now to this now healed blind man. When Jesus heals him, he is showing us about us. Here's what I mean. You might have seeing eyes this morning. But Jesus wants to say there's something in our hearts that can't see him. And in this enacted miracle, it's a picture of what all of us are like, that we have need of, we have need of spiritual sight of him. That we have a spiritual blindness problem that only Jesus can fix. For any of us to see, Jesus must make the first move by removing that blindness. So I'll appeal to anyone who will listen this morning. Have you been spiritually seeking for some time, not sure when to end your search, not sure when you'll finally have enough to know? Perhaps you've been coming to church for some time, but you've never trusted and looked at Christ. Can I urge you right now to see, to see. Jesus is standing before you right here in this text, in this sermon, right before you, right now urging you to look to him our response is we trust in Christ in him alone as best as we can we say Lord take my life and I take yours in and we're going to do this with fits and starts through the rest of our life but do not let another day go by without listening to the Jesus that's standing before you right now saying see open your eyes see me That's the first point that I want you to see this morning. That the light of the world gives sight to the blind. He gives faith. He gives sight to the blind that we might see Jesus. But I want you to know as well what the text shows us. Giving sight is not the only thing that the light of the world does. We've seen how Jesus responds to those who can't see and know they can't. But how does Jesus respond to folks who thinks they do see, who think they do see? Look with me again at the text. The majority of this text is really a dialogue, verses 8 through 32, between the healed man and his neighbors in the community, that is verses 8 through 12, the Pharisees and this man, 13 to 17, the Pharisees and the man's parents, and the Pharisees call this man back again to talk with him as well. Let me just run through the text here and show you that. The Pharisees begin to investigate, so they ask how did the man receive his sight again? And the man says, he put mud on my eyes, I went and washed, and now I see. And he says that repeatedly. And due to the fact that Jesus did this work on the Sabbath, we're told, some of these Jewish leaders declare that there is no way that Jesus is from God because he has healed on the Sabbath a non-life-threatening injury. And they're also probably upset that he has Needed. If you think about kneading bread, he has probably kneaded mud and spit together. And some wonder if there's some Sabbath violation there as well, something that was pro- prohibited on the Sabbath day. And this testimony is not enough, though, is it? It's not enough to convince them. A theme that runs right throughout this discourse. So what do they do? They call mom and dad. It's time. It's like they've called your mama, and you know it's serious when your mama's called. And so they say, "Is this your son?" They say yes. Was he born blind? Oh, absolutely. How was he healed? Hoo-hoo-hoo. We got no idea. You can ask him. You can ask him. Why? Because they don't want to be put out of the synagogue, which would have utterly cut them out from all of their community had to offer. Maybe not getting jobs. It was a major, major issue to be put out of the synagogue. So the religious leaders do just that. They call him back in. And I love the little snark. I love this man because he's like, they're asking. him, He's like, I've already told you guys. Why don't you want to listen to me? And it's the question that we're asking as well. Why don't they listen to him? And here's the point. In all of this, the repeated testimony of the man, of the neighbors, and of the parents, in all of it, the Pharisees refused to believe. Another way of putting it is, they were not willing to have their understanding challenged. Because if this man Jesus heals there is one option about where he is from and who he is. He is God. He is God. And if Jesus is God, everything changes for them. Their social relationships, their status in the community, and certainly the very future of their lives. Everything. And seeing what they did, they they remained blind to the true things of God. Now, I just want to take a moment. And say very briefly that anybody who has ever come to Jesus knows what they were up against. Do you remember that, what it was like for you? Do you remember what it was like when Jesus sat before you and you were perhaps wondering, "Is is this the man or not? And you made me reckon with that for years. You're right there where the Pharisees were. Because when Jesus comes home, everything changes. I can remember that in my life. When I wasn't a Christian. And I I, I knew all of that. And therefore on the surface, listen, I denied that Christ was God. I didn't want Jesus to be God. Because I didn't want my life to change. God wouldn't go away though in his mercy. And so if you are there, this morning, can I just say welcome to the club? Welcome, you really are wanted here. And I love the honest testimony from the famous writer Aldous Huxley of Brave New World fame. Growing up in an Anglican home, he went off to college, he rejected Christianity, and these are his own words, because it interfered with my sexual freedom. He at least has the integrity to say, I didn't want God to be true. Now, it may not be sexual freedom for you, but it might be the course of your life. It might be the way that you think about a job. It might be the way that you think about where you live in this community. It might be the way about you raise your kids. But if Jesus is who he is saying he is, everything changes. Listen to what John writes a few chapters later in John 12, 46. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. And again, in our text, Jesus says, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see. And that those who say, that they see, that is, who think that they see, that they may what? That they may become blind. Blind. Jesus is the plumb line for salvation. All who look to him, who trust him, will be saved. But those who will not look to him, the whole testimony of John is telling us, who do not trust in him, remain blind and thus, as Jesus says, condemned. In this sense, they are blinded by the light and you have no idea how much restraint it took to not sing those words this morning. Thank you. (laughs) All of us have a healthy dose dose of Pharisee in us. Specifically, when it is we don't want to run to him or to trust in him precisely of what this means about us by extension. Imagine on your birthday, you opened up your your presence... And one of them was this nice, beautiful made basket. And in it was mouthwash, was a few sticks of deodorant, and some face wash. What does it mean for you to have to receive that gift? Some not good stuff, right? The gospel always does that. It always comes to us first and tells us our true condition. It always buries us in the ground first before it raises us up to new life. That's always what it does. And so the good news of Jesus, friends, is is that Jesus, though, loves to do both. He didn't do just one. He didn't do just one. He does both. And the whole point of John is this. Do you see Jesus? That's the test. How do you know you're blind? Or if you're not, do you see Christ as he's offered in the scriptures this morning? And if you don't, here's the profoundly good news where we will end this morning. Jesus loves to come to blind people and to show them himself. He loves to open up blind eyes and to give faith to folks who can't see. That's the good news that I want you to hear from me te- this text this morning, that Jesus loves to open blind eyes. So are you worried about being blind? Do you know what you're beginning to see? Do you know you're blind? Ooh, that's Christ shining his light in on you. Specifically, are you beginning to see him dying for that blindness? And I mean, of course, the blindness of heart and all that blindness pictures, that willful turning and not wanting to trust Jesus, that self-sufficiency that all of us are prone to, that fills our life, that refusal to agree with the good news that Jesus in him, we are more sinful than we could ever dare imagine Burying us down. And at the very very same time that we are more loved than we ever dared imagine or hope. It's good news for a reason, friends. Because Jesus came to heal. To heal what is broken in all of us. A few chapters later, it will not be the healed man that is cast out. Rather, Jesus will be carried out of the city. And there he will die. Forsaken by his father left by his father so that you and me can be brought into the father's heart and so that you and me can see so that we can be made whole he, the light of the world would experience the darkness of hell so that you and me would be welcomed into his heart and so that we would be able to say once and for all what this man says one thing I do know that though I was blind, I now see. Do you see? Give praise to God. Thank him. Rejoice. You see. Do you not see Jesus? He's right here. Ask him. Ask him to open your eyes. He'll do it. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that you would do what you promised to do. That you would open up blind eyes. And that we, like this man, having seen you, would worship you and rejoice in you for what you have done for those for whom you've given sight. Be with anyone here now, O Lord, that doesn't know you. Would you open their eyes to see you? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about Covenant, please visit covenantpress.com.